today on Unbanned Coolies, we have the top, the chief librarian at the Brooklyn Public Library. Before that, he was the director of outreach services, and he and, and he and his team created programs for older adults and families impacted by the justice system and people experiencing homelessness. He began his career in 2006 at Brooklyn Public Library. He also served for three years as the New York Public Library Correctional Library Supervisor. In 2017, he was named Mover and Shaker by Library Journal for creating videos for kids with parents incarcerated on Rikers Island. He received a Master's in Library Science from Pratt Institute and a Bachelor's in Art in British Literature from Hunter College. Without further ado, welcome Chief Librarian Nick Higgins. Thank you, Christopher. Appreciate uh, appreciate you uh, in, inviting me into this conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope you don't mind if we go back a little. As a kid, I remember loving Percy Jackson. Sure. The the series. Was there a book that you loved as a kid, or a novel that touched your soul? No, yeah. I mean, I, I, as long as I can remember, I was always reading. Um, I didn't grow up in a family of readers. I, I seem to be kind of like an anomaly uh, in, in my family, but there are always books around. My parents were smart enough to kind of observe that I, I like to have books and I like to read. So they filled the house with books, all sorts of books. And we moved around a lot. So you know, one of the first places that my, my folks would take me when we moved into a new town was a public library to get my, my library card. So I always sort of felt really comfortable around books. And I always felt really interested in, uh, you know, turning the pages of a book. But, you know, thinking of books, you know, when I when I started becoming like almost like, like a, I feel like a serious reader, um, you know, sometime around like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, something like that. I remember, you know, the, the uh, J.R. Tolkien books, um, Lord of the Rings stuff, C.S. Lewis uh, was really big, um, Susan Cooper, uh, her books, her Oversee Under Stone books, um, kind of like, kind of like the, uh, kind of like the fantasy type genre, but like young people sort of like walking through a space that's a little bit mysterious, a little bit dangerous, a little bit un unpredictable, um, those kind of books. And then I remember like when I was maybe in the sixth or seventh grade, um, my, uh, ELA teacher, my uh, literature teacher gave me um, a copy of um, Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, the short story. And I remember just being blown away <laughs> by that short story. So I tried to pick up everything that I could uh, that Shirley Jackson uh, wrote. And um, uh, yeah, so lot, lots of books. I mean, I think that, you know, really a lot of books really touch, touch me and grab my attention. Uh, and, uh, and I'm just a lifelong reader. Um, is there any books you're reading right now? Uh, yeah, Lori Moore's new book um, I'm reading, um, I Am Homeless, If This Is Not My Home, is, is her new book, and I've been waiting for 10 years to read it because she has, it's taken her a decade to, to release a novel. Um, and I'm just really interested in her, her work. Um, I think that she is just a really keen observer of how... Um, particularly Americans kind of like walk through the world in in this time and uh, you know she sort of writes about it in a way that's satirical um, not judgmental but just really kind of like gets the essence of like why we do things uh, in, in, in the way that we do I just really it's, she's just a really excellent writer okay thank you so I believe by now you probably heard about the book banning movement so what's your take on it 
Uh, well, as a, you know, as a reader who really loves books, as a part of this community that really values um, my First Amendment rights and everyone else's right for free expression and the freedom to read, I am alarmed um, at the rise in book bans that we've been seeing since, you know, for the last few years. Um, we haven't seen this uh, kind of book banning and challenges in a very long time. We certainly haven't had the, you know, the coordinated effort to, to, to ban books as we've seen uh, recently. Um, so that's really worrisome to me. Um, I also look at it as a, a way not just to ban books or to take books off of shelves, but because the books that are being targeted for bans and challenges are oftentimes written by or about uh, people of color, um, LGBTQ communities, uh, it it really seems to be kind of a placeholder or sort of like a stand-in for not just like the books, but um, about trying to make sure that certain people in our community don't have the right to have their stories told. And that is far more sinister and uh, something that, again, as somebody who lives here <laughs> and really cares about not only books and stories, but about people, uh, it's just really alarming. Is there a favorite book that you like that's on the ban list or that you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, like I read very widely. I still read a lot. Uh, I mean, there are plenty of books out there that are on the list or on lists for generations. I mean, it seems like I remember when I was younger, I saw that um, uh, James Joyce was was one of the more sort of well-known um, kind of authors who was banned in this country, not only this country, but others. So I couldn't wait to get a, a, my hands on a copy of James Joyce's Ulysses, but I was far too young to read that book. I didn't quite understand it so much. Um, and uh, but when I was in college and I was, you know, I was a better reader and I could um, kind of read it a little bit better. I, I fell in love with that book and I felt like it was such a, a joyful expression of the language and how literature can um, kind of evolve and how literature can sort of like stay with you over time and, and change with you as a human being. So uh, James Joyce's Ulysses is sort of like a throwback one, but there are books by Toni Morrison that are popping up on um, banned books list now, like The Bluest Eye. That's such a, that's a fantastic book. It's, um, it's so beautiful. Beloved is another one that, um, that is one of my favorites by Toni Morrison that shows up on these lists. Um, Kurt Vonnegut still shows up on these lists. Um, I'm a big Kurt Vonnegut fan, or at least I was when I was a little bit younger. Um, but there, yeah, I mean, again, there, there's so many, uh, Ibram X. Kendi is, is on these lists. Nicole Hannah Jones is a fantastic writer. So yeah, I mean, there are a lot of, you know, folks on this list, on these lists currently that, um, uh, that I hold very, um, very dear, uh, you know, um, a dear place in my heart for, for sure. Uh, the book Coolies. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this book before. But yeah, I've seen it. The book Coolies inspired my unbanned Coolies advocacy. I connected to this book because as an Asian American, I can see myself in the characters and their struggles is very similar to that of my own family. Unfortunately, this book is now on the ban list. Why do you think a book about the Chinese railroad workers ended up being on the list? You're talking about a story that is very significant, not only in the like the history of our country, but also for um, you know whole you know, generations of of Americans who immigrants who came to this country to work on the transcontinental railroad. 
um, and built this, you know, built this country in, in, in a way. And, um, uh, why it's on, you know, the list of, of banned books now, um, you know, listen, I, I can only speculate and maybe even give just sort of like a general kind of take on this is that a i don't think that the people who are trying to legislate uh what's on the shelves and what are you know, what, what should be taken off actually read any of these books that they're <laughs> they're talking about like that's my my you know that's my assumption my suspicion um but i think that there's a um uh in general the reason why we're seeing a lot of these book bans particularly targeted at particular communities like you're talking about is because there is a a fear of um i don't know like being um you know be of diversity of inclusion of um you know something that goes beyond sort of the you know the 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 cis white sort of you know dominant white supremacist culture that um that 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 could be lost if there's more sort of inclusion which is a, actually it's a good thing but people are afraid of it or certain groups are afraid of it so they want to make sure that they erase all of those stories and take them out of um the the public discourse uh as as much as they can and it's wrong and i i think it's absolutely wrong and i think the majority of people who live here uh agree with that like, it is absolutely wrong and um in poll after poll people you know on all sides of the political spectrum uh agree that uh, banning books is something that is uh you know dangerous to you know to our communities um and uh and, and wholly un-american and anti-free expression and anti-first amendment and all of that um but uh yeah so that's why i think uh that it's being challenged that and you know coolies and other other books obviously on, on on these lists but you know there's something that you said about why you know you, this book in particular sparked your interest in this whole you know pushing back on book bans uh that that struck me you said that you see yourself in this book like you can you know you you some find something familiar about the story here and what's really heartbreaking about this these you know this new spate of book bans is that you know you know, whole swaths of populations and stories and narratives and points of view are being eliminated from the public discourse. They're being taken away, hidden. And what that says to people who find themselves and identify themselves in those books, what it says to them is that they don't matter, that they don't belong. And that, it, 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 it uh, I, I admire you stand up, you know, for standing up and, and pushing back and fighting back because we must stand up and, and push back and fight back. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's wholly, it's wholly unacceptable. Yeah, I completely agree because if this book is taken out, a lot of people, history can be basically erased. And this book tells about history. It tells, future generations what the chinese went through to build yeah. these american railroads yeah so is it do you think it's the government's job to ban books no i think it's the government quite the opposite i think it's the government's job here as far as i you know my interpretation of the founding documents and what we aspire to in this country as a pluralistic society to do the exact opposite government should be expanding rights for people uh government should be protecting first amendment rights uh uh government should be protecting uh the stories leveraging and celebrating the stories of people all across our society 
um, rather than what you see in certain states where governments are, um, you know, state legislatures are, are essentially codifying, you know, censorship. They're codifying uh, bigotry. <laughs> so what we're seeing now in certain states uh, with different laws and legislation that they're passing is, uh, you know, at, 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 at heart, anti-American, uh, anti-democratic, and, uh, you know, authoritarian, which, again, is really disturbing and, um, uh, and something that historically we've seen before, uh, but unfortunately it's something that we're, we're dealing with now. So I've heard about Brooklyn's Public Library, uh, their program that they have called Unbanned Books. Could you tell us a little bit more about this program? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, the program uh, at Brooklyn Public Library is, is it's books on ban. So what we did is uh, in April of 2022, uh, after we started hearing stories of, uh, um, you know, book bans starting to pop up all across the United States, um, we wanted to do something that could help people, particularly young people who are readers in schools where books are being taken off the shelves. We wanted to do something for them um, that was meaningful. And it wasn't just about you know putting up a, a book display or um, having sort of like a book discussion or whatever. We wanted to make sure that they felt supported by a large library system um, where in their community they might you know might be experiencing a lot of book bans and challenges. So what we decided to do was to offer a free um, uh, library card, but it's like an e like a digital library card to any young person across the United States anywhere, age 13 to 21. Um, and with that library card, they can access for free, unrestricted, uh, over half a million ebooks and audiobooks from the Brooklyn Public Library uh, collection. We just gave it to them all, like ev everyone. So all anyone would have to do is just write us an email or DM us and tell us what they're facing in their communities. It could be like a censorship issue, like, listen, you know, my my school um uh my school board is like taking off like books like coolies and i really you know I, I, that's like a shame because i really identify with that book but they're banning that book um uh and then we give them a library card and they can read it from the Brooklyn public library if they want <laughs> so or it could just be you know a kid in um vermont could reach out to us and say you know, the, the nearest library is like an hour's drive away. I don't have a driver's license and I have no access to books in my community. We give them a library card and they can access half a million ebooks and audiobooks from the Brooklyn Public Library. So that it's one way to, to sort of, you know, help people where they're at. And we've received, Christopher, we've received thousands of emails and messages from people um, all over the United States. We've issued library cards in all 50 states in Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico. Uh, we've issued over 6,500 library cards. Um, the young people who are using these cards are checking out 9,000 books every month. <laughs> like it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's really, it feels really good that as a library, we can support people who are really struggling in a very direct way. Um, but it's also, there's this theme of like heartbreak, but it's also very heartbreaking that there are so many young people out there who are at the business end of a lot of these attacks and that, um, yeah, they have a library card from Brooklyn and they have our support, but outside of that, they're looking around and they might not see any other support from any other adult in their community. And that, that's where, that's where it gets, it gets really hard. Um, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot more work to do. Is there a way? 
that adults can get these free, like, e-cards? Yeah, it's only, um, we're only offering it to um, basically our teen audiences, so 13 to 21. Um, we just wanted to to really focus in, again, on on people who are, who are really experiencing these book bans firsthand. So an adult can easily, or in, in many ways, they can go out and they can find the content some other place. But um, where a lot of these book bans are happening are in schools. So you see places in Florida where there are like hallways full of boxes of books um, that were being pulled from shelves and they're being shipped out. Um, so we really wanted to focus in on students and people who were, um, again, sort of, you know, at the, at the, yeah, at the end of these attacks, essentially. Um, Nick, on behalf of Unbanned Coolies, I want to thank you for your time and, uh, thoughtfulness in answering these questions. I just want to say, like, thank you, Christopher. I mean, this is, um, uh, it's really good to know that there are other allies out there who are standing up and pushing back. This is not an insignificant issue. This is something that really strikes at the heart of, like, who we are as a people <laughs> here in our communities and how we want to live as a society. And there are rights that are being receded and taken away from people all across this country. So it's really good. Uh, it feels good for me as a leader of a major library system in this country to know that there are people like you, Christopher, and others who are standing shoulder to shoulder with us and pushing back because it's really important for all of us to be full-throated, uh, you know, in our defense of the freedom to read. And um, I'm just really happy that uh, that we're having this conversation. And and again, if you uh, you know want to you know continue the talk, if um, you want to join some of the activity that we have going on at the Brooklyn Public Library. We also have a, a council, a teen intellectual freedom council that they, they sort of self-formed and they are basically now reaching out to on a monthly basis through a virtual Zoom meeting with um, their peers, like other young people in like Texas and Florida and Mississippi and, and uh, Louisiana. And they're all like coming together over Zoom to talk about censorship issues. And they're talking about the freedom to read, how to push back, how to advocate, how to, how to organize. Um, so listen, if you or anyone else wants to join that, just, you know, let me know and we'd be happy to, happy to put you in touch with anyone. But, um, but no, thank you so much for this opportunity. It's really wonderful what you're doing. Yeah. And thank you as well, you know, being here and sharing your thoughts. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. And, uh, yeah, no, I just hope you have a, have a really great rest of the weekend and, um, you know, thank you so much for your time. Me too. All right. Mm -hmm. All right, Christopher. All right. Take care now.